and welcome back to the Moving Pictures Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Holtzclaw, and today we are going to be discussing the comedy horror film Ready or Not. This is your official spoiler alert warning. I will be telling you exactly what happens in all of its gory detail, so be prepared. This film was released July 27th, 2019. It's written by Guy Busick and R. Christopher Murphy. It's directed by Matt Bettinelli-Olpin and Tyler Gillette. These are the same people who directed Scream 5, which I discussed in this season premiere, and they're collectively known as Radio Silence. This film is produced by Trip Vinson, James Vanderbilt, William Sharaik, and Andy McDowell. The cinematographer, don't know how to say your last name, is Brett J. That's what we'll call you. It's edited by Terrell Gibson, the music is by Brian Tyler, and it stars Samara Weaving, Adam Brody, Mark O'Brien, Henry Cizerni, Andy McDowell, and more. The runtime is 95 minutes, the budget was $6 million, and the box office made $57.6 million, and it got a 4 out of 5 on Rotten Tomatoes. So, for a summary, Grace, who is portrayed by Samara Weaving, couldn't be happier after she marries the man of her dreams at his family's luxurious estate. There's just one catch. She must now hide from midnight until dawn while her new in-laws hunt her down with guns, crossbows, and other weapons. As Grace desperately tries to survive the night, she soon finds a way to turn tables on her not-so-lovable relatives. So basically, (laughs) Grace gets married, and after they celebrate, her new husband tells her that they all just have to play a game before she can become an official member of the family. Super simple, right? She All she has to do is draw a card, which tells them what game they're going to play. She unfortunately draws the hide-and-seek card for the first time in like 20 years of them doing this. And she soon finds out that the family is now trying to kill her, and that's how they win hide-and-seek. So, if they find her, she dies. And they think that they do have to kill her, or otherwise something bad will happen to their family. So, just I'm just right off the bat, my thoughts. I thought it was really messed up like this whole plot is so like mind boggling um it's just kind of like messes with your head but it's also amazing and this is a very unique plot I would say like I I think I don't know I feel like it feels familiar but in a new way which really makes it more exciting to me I think I don't know. I I've heard and seen stories about people trying to kill other people, right? Like that's basic horror film topic of conversation, event, situation, plot, all of that, right? Super obvious. But this kind of put a tw- like a twist on it where it's her in-laws. So like she can't like it's her new family that she literally doesn't know because her future husband has kind of like been hiding them from her because he's claimed that they're really weird. But then he like goes along with this and he's, it seems like he's very reluctant, but also is, he's a very big participant in it. That just isn't like an ideal situation. Um, So I think that's really messed up and it like kind of comes to life throughout the film. And it's really obvious as you see their relationship kind of unfold that like, 
this isn't going to end well. This is obviously going to end in someone dying or someone getting divorced. Or I guess like, quote unquote, getting a divorce because the other person has died and someone was being widowed. You know? Anyway, I thought it was good. It made for a really good horror movie until the end. And I'll tell you why. Just hear me out. It's really, like, it's really good, the whole thing, up until the last scene when they have to kind of explain themselves, right? So there's a lot of gore, there's a lot of blood, there's a lot of, like, satirical horror. Like, just stereotypical, these people are trying to kill this person, this person is trying to survive, and thus kill the other people that are trying to hunt them. Like, it, it felt very classic until the end because their reasoning for doing this is that they're like basically satan worshipers and like they thought something bad was going to happen to them if they didn't kill their new relative which um don't don't really know how i feel about that except i think it's stupid but i don't think that there could have been a reasonable excuse for any of it that's probably the most logical reason that they could have come up with. I mean, because it's so illogical, it's logical here. But there's no other scenario in which I think this would be okay. Other than they're Satan worshippers, thus they're psycho. Like, they're just crazy, they're brainwashed, they're not normal, crazy people. I mean... <laughs> Something satanic just feels right here in terms of how this could make sense. Them being satanic is the only thing that makes sense. Does that make sense? Like, in what I, is what I'm saying making sense? I hope so. I just don't think... I, I mean, I guess I think if they, if they wanted to go this route of, like, craziness and goriness and just kind of this, this crazy plotline in general they needed to go with something crazy like Satanism versus like, oh, this is just like a family tradition for no reason, you know? Okay, anyway. Um, I also thought her dress was like everything. I will talk about it in depth in a second. But fun fact, I will be dressing up like um, Grace from this film this Halloween. I think I'm going to just dress as like film people. This Halloween, just like nothing else, you know, nothing basic. We're going to be cool, funny, cute, all in one. I haven't figured them out yet in specifics other than this one, but I think we're going to do it. I also just look kind of liked the action in this, which is shocking because I usually don't. I'm usually, well, I don't know. When it comes to horror movies, I do love the thrill of being scared for the person, like in the, that in anticipation of like a chase or a hunt or like this person's hiding, which is basically this entire movie. So I guess it makes sense <laughs> that I liked this, um, got a thrill out of it. But usually I don't love like all the gore and the grime and like, I don't like anything too like really stupid, but I didn't think that this was. I thought it was cool. It gave me kind of like, it gave me the thrill. It, I was scared for her. And also there's one scene where she's climbing a ladder and she's already hurt her hand. She got shot in the hand. So she basically has a hole like through her palm up to like the top of her hand. And she's climbing up a ladder and she's trying to get out of this like, it's part of the barn. It's, uh, it's like kind of where the hay is. 
and like pigs are kind of thing. So like dirty. And then she reaches up to top to touch the top of the ladder, like kind of like the ledge where she could then kind of hoist herself up better. And oh, she stuck like didn't obviously didn't realize this was there. But where she put her hand, the injured hand, was right where a nail was sticking up and the nail went through her already like broken whole damaged hand right in the middle. And she like has to like muffle her screams. It's horrific. But for some reason it made me love this movie more because it was like, I don't, that felt real. It felt authentic. And with all the like crazy fake blood in this film that felt the most real and like kind of looked the most real. And I'm not saying that I would like voluntarily want to watch that part again, but like it stuck with me because it just was so realistic and like made, ugh, made my insides feel gross. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what I wanted in this horror movie. I don't know why, but fun facts. Samara Waving said that her own constant anxiety on set just as a person, as an actress um, doing this movie, she said that that really helped her achieve her character's like manic state more naturally. So her characters, uh, other than the first few scenes, her character is constantly in a fight or flight state. And she said that her actual feelings of being on set and making this film translated and really helped her. Um, she also said that she struggles with social confrontation in real life. So she felt like this movie helped her deal with that in some respects because her character is such like this triumphant person. She's fearless. She's brave. She's strong. She's a fighter. And she said that Samara said that that just kind of translated into her real life. I thought that was cool. The things that like actors have to feel and make themselves feel during a film is just crazy to me and I think it's so impactful when they say that certain things in a film or like for their character help them in real life. I think that's so cool. Anyway, the exteriors of the Ledomas, which is the family house, is called the Casa Loma Castle, which is used in a lot of other films including X-Men, Billy Madison, and the Titan series. It's located in Ontario, Canada, and it's beautiful. If you just you know, pay attention to the the exteriors in the wedding scene and kind of like the beginning of the 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 first few scenes where she's looking out the window and everyone's outside, all of that. It's so beautiful. Like one of the most beautiful houses I've ever seen in my entire life. So I think it was great for this. So another fun fact is that Radio Silence explained to Variety that this film also heavily discusses themes of economic class division between the orphan, Grace, and her husband and his rich family. And what they were hoping to say is, quote, that privilege and entitlement are really dangerous things, and the movie in so many ways is a conversation about that. And I think that's cool. You know, there's a lot of social commentary in this. Clearly, I mean, coming from Grace being the outsider that we're kind of following throughout this kind of merge between her, her past, her non-existent family to her husband and his family that's clearly crazy and, I mean, weird. Like, they just give off really weird vibes at first. And then you realize why, and then you realize that they're actually psycho killers, and then Satan worshippers. So <laughs> there's a big contrast here. But basically what they're saying is that underneath all of that, it's kind of an allegory for our society. And I think that's cool and very important. 
Also, the masks that the family wear at the beginning are referencing the Twilight Zone, which I think is awesome. I love old references, especially in horror movies. Um, but they kind of pay homage to one of the most important science fiction shows in television history with this, The Twilight Zone, right? And there's also, in the Twilight Zone episode called The Masks, the quote-unquote greedy adult children are forced to wear these masks, which represent their ugly inner personalities in order to receive their inheritance. So it's kind of the same idea. Like, ugly personality traits are represented by the people wearing the masks, and the ones that are pure of heart, like Grace, don't wear masks, but she's also wearing white, which is a symbol for pure um, and innocent, etc. So I think that's a cool contrast and kind of just like a cool metaphor, symbol, whatever. And I think that's cool. The masks were masks were very creepy. I will give them that. <laughs> really freaked me out. I don't like masks. I'm not like a mask person unless it's Scream because I don't think that's a scary mask. But like Michael Myers, can't do it. Chucky, can't do it. Like all of those weird creepy doll faces can't do it can't do it at all and that's kind of the vibe I got with these also this is cool they used food instead of fake blood so Samara isn't even covered in like fake blood at all she's covered in caramel syrup that's dyed red and so she like basically got to eat it like that's so cool I mean I guess it's probably stickier but I feel like that'd be less gross you know than like some artificial like fake blood product it's like food that's cool she was also nervous, Samara was, that the ending couplet of dialogue was too cheesy when the cop asked her what happened and she replies, in-laws. But I loved it. I thought this was like peak satire for this film. Like it wrapped it up so nicely. It was funny. We all understood it. I mean, everyone struggles with in-laws, but then you've just seen all of this crazy chaos and you actually get that like her in-laws are actually the worst, you know? Also... They had a big final girl trope. Literally every single person's head blew off except for hers. And she's like covered in blood but like survived. This is honestly it reminded me of Carrie a little bit. Just the way that the blood was like the, the crazy amount of fake blood that was on her. It felt like Carrie to me. It like screamed Carrie especially with the dress that was like kind of frilly. And then like was torn up by the end. But also like this is one of the biggest examples of a final girl. It also reminded me of the Whatever Chainsaw Massacre because the final girl in that reminded me of this film, like the ending. Um, so just like a lot of horror movies were brought to my mind during this. So there are a lot of satirical undertones, right? This is a comedy horror. And satire is the use of humor, irony, exaggeration, or ridicule to expose and criticize people's stupidity or vices, particularly in the context of contemporary politics and other topical issues. So like them being Satan worshipers, I'm pretty sure is like the exaggeration um, and like ridicule of them. And they also like <laughs> were just very exaggerated murderers. And like this is their stupidity, right? So like this film criticizes the rich family's vices, stupidity, with them worshiping Satan, if that makes sense. Um, 
Rotten Tomatoes stated, Ready or Not blends horror and comedy effortlessly to give the audience a great viewing experience. So let's talk about comedic horror. Typically, a comedy horror film can be categorized as black comedy, parody, and spoof. So a black comedy can also be known as dark humor, dark comedy, whatever. It makes light of a subject matter that is generally considered taboo, like worshiping Satan, and particularly subjects that are normally considered serious or painful to discuss. So themes of this genre include death, crime, poverty, suicide, war, violence, terrorism, discrimination, disease, racism, sexism, and human sexuality. So we see a bunch of these in this film. And then parody and spoof are kind of often called spoof horror cliches kind of interchangeably. So think like Cabin in the Woods or Evil Dead or like even Scary Movie and Scream to some degree paradises, is that the word? Makes a parody out of horror movies while making a horror movie. So it's kind of meta in and of itself, but it's making fun of cliches, horror movie cliches. The Legend of the Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving has been cited as the first great comedy horror story because it made readers, quote, laugh one moment and scream the next. Its premise was based on mischief, typically found during Halloween. And then comedy horror films have gallows humor, typically. They offer, quote, the permission to laugh at your fears to whistle past the cinematic graveyard and feel secure in the knowledge that the monsters can't get you, said Bruce G. Hallenbach in his book. Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein is also a really good example of this, according to Charles Bromesco of Vulture.com. He says that this is also a really good example of comedy horror, and it was one of the first. So the cinematographer said that he was not super used to the horror genre before this film, but was used to dark, deadpan humor that can kind of have elements of horror. And so he thought he worked well for this film, and clearly he did because it was so good. He said that Ready or Not doesn't take itself too seriously, but is still scary and engaging. And he has experience as an editor, so while he was DPing this film, he was also considering what the camera would look like in editing and what this shot would look like in editing and how he could kind of help the editors while they were shooting, which I think is so important. It's very helpful, especially when they have such a small budget and they're really trying to make sure everything is right. This definitely helped them pick out what was working and what wasn't. In my mind, I think that would be really helpful. I also love the look of these shots. Like they're just so clear and crisp. And even when the lighting is kind of dim to make it scarier, which I think it does, you can still see the picture so clearly. And I really love that. You get the whole view. And I that's really important to me when I'm watching a film. So onto the dress. The dress is considered its own character in the movie because of how many transitions it goes through as the movie gets more and more intense. So everyone in this film basically considered the dress as its own character. Um, according to insiders. So the costume designer Avery Plews had to design 24 dresses despite the fact that we technically only see one dress and 17 dresses were worn by Samara and the other seven were worn by her stunt double. So the original wedding dress was inspired by Kate Middleton's wedding dress which love and it looks like one piece but it's actually five. So it's a lace top, a corset, a skirt, a skirt liner, and a silk sash. So the way that it became quicker and more cost efficient to change 
was with these separate pieces. So instead of having one, she's having these different pieces. And so, you know, if one needs to be, if the skirt needs to be changed, but the top is fine, then they could do that much quicker and much more efficiently. So again, they had a small budget, so they really had to think of everything and had to be the most efficient that they could possibly be before filming, during filming, after filming, you know, in pre-production, principal production, and post-production. Um, they really had to think through everything meticulously, and I think they really did. Um, and I think it came together great. Okay, last thing I want to say. I know I've been going really fast. I've just kind of I got really into this film, okay, and I loved researching this and just getting into the ins and the outs of how they did this, but specifically the end. So I kind of discussed this. I don't see that there could be any other good explanation to why they did this. I mean, obviously their current, the explanation that they used was ridiculous, but I think that would, <laughs> that's probably the best one for the story. There's no other one that would even cut it close, in my opinion. But the exploding heads were just like too much for me. But basically it ha the bad thing that they thought was going to happen did happen because they didn't kill her by dawn. And Grace didn't explode because she won. So I guess basically Grace's fate was like to die... Or to, like, I guess, be one like them and then have her head explode. I don't know. Is that an option for her to, like, explode? I don't know. But basically, her main options. I'll give you her main options. To die or to win and kill everybody else. Or, like, have them killed because she won. And obviously, she picked that route, which, you know, good job. And the family's only... Well, so the family's options were to be killed by Grace to kill Grace and live, or for Grace to live and their heads to explode. And Plan C happened. So in the film, like Tony, the, the dad, explains that his great-grandfather inherited LaBelle's good fortune when he solved the box and won the game, right? So his great-great-grandfather, sorry, great-grandfather won and then kind of kept this game going, but he didn't explode because he won. So I guess really your options are to like die of natural causes to win or for your head to explode because you lost. So at the beginning of the movie, many of the family members discuss all of this. And they also discuss and point out that Grace is not like them and doesn't belong in the family, isn't one of them, is just like doesn't fit in. And I think that's why her family is being super weird because she like doesn't come from money, doesn't come from like what they're used to. But, I mean, some of the other in-laws didn't either. Um, they just kind of, like, had to win everybody over. Whatever. Normal in-law stuff, right? I guess normal in-law stuff for the rich people, but whatever. So, I think this is also why she won, because she's not like them. She's not the type that would be able to do this going forward or, like, participate in this and, like, actually become a Satan worshiper and or a murderer and or attempted murderer. So I think that's also why she won because she's like pure of heart, like I said before, with the white dress. Um, and it is tainted with red, but that also, it's not her red. So I think that's like, I mean, the all the blood that she gets on her body and on her dress is from her in-laws, heads exploding. And she's like cackling and laughing, which <laughs> is kind of weird. But I think that symbolizes that 
they like tried to force this evilness on her and she stayed pure. She like had to deal with, she had to like fight it off, right? She had to deal with them. But she stayed pure overall with the white dress and she still, she won. She won. She's still herself just with some trauma. <laughs> with some major trauma. Yeah. So my, my whole point in saying that, not only did she not come from a wealthy family, I think her winning had more to do with her personality because Charity and Becky, like I said, the other two um, spouses who joined the family also didn't come from wealthy backgrounds, but they like morphed into the like family philosophy of we have to play this game and we have to kill people. We have to like kill the in-law if whatever. You know what I'm saying, okay? <laughs> I'm confusing myself. Anyway, so what I think is what I was saying before is that I think her personality and her being different, her staying innocent throughout all of this, her not like morphing into who the family wanted her to be in this weird mindset. She didn't become a Satan worshiper. So that's also why she won, why they died and she didn't. Because I know some people were saying technically she's part of the family, so shouldn't, shouldn't she have died with them? But I don't think that counts if you're the one that's like being hunted. If you're the one that's the new in-law, I don't think that counts. And her husband did say, like, you officially can't be a part of the family until you win this game, like, in their minds. So that probably had something to do with it, too. So I liked it. Um, it's a very interesting movie. It's a very gory movie. It has a really unique plot, though, and I think that they really executed it well. Samara Weaving was, like, amazing in this. And I also think she's, like, so cool and beautiful and underrated. But I think... I think this story was cool. Like, yes, you can think about it from, like, an economic status or, like, a class status kind of standpoint. But really, I think this was, like, a very classic comedy horror film. So it wasn't just horror, and it definitely wasn't just comedy. But I think that this was a very classically well-done comedy horror film. And I really liked it. As you all know... Scream is by far my favorite horror movie and it will always be but this this kind of like comes in close if I had to name like some pretty good horror movies that I like it'd be tough but you know I think I would include this one I would that's how much I liked it and I would recommend you guys watching it I think it's a good film and I think it needs to be watched and it needs to be talked about because it's great it's a good classic movie um anyway that was me ranting I've been like really anxious and out of whack today because I've had so much to do and I'm going to the beach next week so there will be no episode next week FYI going to the beach next week last minute so I have to get everything together but this was fun and therapeutic for me so I hope you guys enjoyed it please DM me if you have any questions or concerns or whatever if you just want to chat that's fine too um, please check out my podcast Instagram account and our website you can also ask questions on there Thank you guys for listening and for following along with me all the time. I will talk to you guys not next week, but the week after. Bye! Now if you run into a fine but you covered with her Diamond rings and all those things Bless your life, it isn't her Could she love, could she woo, could she, could she, could she, could she cool as anybody